You're listening to a podcast from City Tribe Media. We're an urban tribe that helps people who feel far from God to know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. For more fresh content, check City Tribe on YouTube, Instagram, or Facebook. Enjoy the message and welcome to the tribe. City Tribe, happy Sunday, happy Sunday. I'm super excited to be here with you today. Now, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Robbie. I'm the youth pastor here at the tribe. Um, First, I just wanna say welcome. I'm super excited that you decided to join us today. Now, before we continue with today's service, what I want you to do right now is all throughout the comments or, or maybe even on YouTube sharing this, I want you to share this with three friends right now, whether you tag three friends in the comments or you share it um, via text message to three different friends. But I want you to share this with three friends because it could encourage somebody today. And why in the world would we ever stand in the way of encouraging somebody? Now, I was asked to help continue this series better recognized as we as a tribe have been becoming more and more familiar with Uh, the personality, the preferences, and the perspective of Jesus. And our hope is that by doing this, not only will we get to know God better, but we would also get to know him more intimately. Now, how do we better recognize Jesus? Well, one, we've asked all of us, right? We've all decided that we are going to suspend our presumptions about Jesus. Two, that we are going to listen and learn what he has to say And three, that we are going to spend significant time in his presence. And like I said, before we begin, I want you guys to go and tag three friends in this. And while you do that, let me pray for you and then we'll get started. And so Lord, thank you so much for today, God. Thank you for the opportunity to come here, to uh, learn about you, to um, get to explore your word, Lord. Um, God, thank you for the opportunity as a tribe that we get to continue to meet virtually, that um, you are still moving and you are still working. And, um, and all, you know, while we're in this you know, moment in history, we're still able to better recognize you and the way that you work, the way that you operate. And so God, give us open ears, open hearts, open minds to the words that you have to say today. Jesus, we love you. We thank you. We praise you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, when I was in the eighth grade, um, I was invited by one of my best friends to this uh, club called FCA. Now, if you're not familiar with what FCA is, it is Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Now, this invite shocked me a little bit. And it shocked me because... One, I wouldn't have really considered myself an athlete. I mean, if you considered like third string B team athlete, then okay, cool. I think your bar is kind of low, but that's exactly what I was. So I wasn't necessarily an athlete and I definitely wasn't a Christian. I had no idea who Christ was. I had no idea who this God was. Um, And so, you know, this invite shocked me a little bit. Now, even though I uh, didn't exactly fit the criteria of FCA, I learned that this organization offers free donuts and free orange juice in the mornings. And so though I didn't fit the criteria, I also wasn't dumb either. So I went to this meeting and it was, it was weird. You know, it was, it was different. Um, I, I imagine for some of us, when we stepped into City Tribe for the first time, it was like, 
You know, it, it was just different, right? It was weird. Um, and so I walked in and I basically walked into a church service for middle school kids. So you can imagine uh, you walk in and you have an all student worship team. Um, and then we have typically a teacher or a coach that will go up and give like an inspirational message or, or something of that sort to kind of get you motivated for the day and get you thinking about Jesus and all this stuff. And so of course, like here I am, I'm sitting there, I'm eating my donuts, drinking my orange juice. One of my friends is, you know, singing worship songs. Um, and then my tennis coach goes up to give this message. Now, um, it finally clicked to me why my tennis coach didn't cuss like the rest of my other coaches because, wow, he's like the leader of this Christian organization. Now, that's not important to the story, but I just thought it was funny. And, and I remember what he spoke about because it was really one of the first sermons that I remember sitting in and listening to. And he touched on the idea of suffering. He touched on the idea of suffering. And the week before, he had asked a question to the group. And the question was, if you could ask one question to God, what would that question be? And the most popular response was, God, why do you allow bad things to happen? God, why do you allow bad things to happen? Now, all the way up until that point of my life, I hadn't really thought about that. You know, I, I knew there was bad in the world. I knew there was evil in the world. I knew bad things happened, but I had never really stopped to think, God, why do you allow bad things to happen? And, you know, it wasn't really until recently that now I find myself stuck on that question quite a bit. I, I find myself stuck just listening or thinking about this question, God, why, why are you allowing bad things to happen? Or, God, why do you allow suffering in this world? Now, there's no doubt that we as a tribe has, have asked this question at least 10 times this year. I mean, from, from Kobe to murder hornets to COVID uh, to, to racial injustice, there's no doubt that we have asked this same question. God, why are you allowing suffering to happen? And God, when is it gonna end? Like, when are we gonna be done with the suffering, because I know for some of us, we're, we're so frustrated because we've lost a loved one to maybe COVID or um, some other disease like cancer, or uh, maybe you know, some of our friends and our families have been uh, unjustly, uh, have been treated unjustly due to hundreds of years of systematic racism, or uh, maybe some of us know somebody or, or we ourselves are dealing with a mental illness right now that is becoming increasingly more and more difficult to deal with because of the increased isolation that we have been experiencing in the last couple of months or you know, maybe our relationships are just falling apart. That a lot of this time together, a lot of this moment of slowing down has, I guess, revealed a lot of problems and a lot of tension in our relationships. And we're stuck as asking the question, God, why are you allowing this suffering to happen? So now the list can go on and on and you can fit your suffering in any category that you want. And um, if you are currently experiencing a moment of suffering right now, first, I want to say that I see you, that we see you as a tribe, that we love you and we are here for you. And most importantly, I want, to, I want to acknowledge that God sees you and he loves you and he is here for you. And my hope today is that regardless of if we're experiencing suffering right now or maybe we experience suffering in the next two months, but my hope today is that we you know, finish this stream with 
a new perspective and a new mindset on the suffering that we have in our lives. Because there's no doubt that we as a tribe, we are going to walk through suffering together. But as we walk through that suffering together, we have to answer the question and we have to ask the question, why does God allow suffering to happen? Well, today as we hop into scripture, my hope is to, like I said, help you reframe the suffering in your life and to better recognize Jesus at work in the suffering that you experience. Now, before you do that, what I want everybody to do right now, I want you to get excited and I want you to light up the comments right now with some fire emojis, some hearts, some hallelujah hands, whatever it is, because we are about to hop into God's word. We are about to receive some wonderful truth for our lives. And when we receive the truth from God, that sets us free. And we are all about finding freedom here at City Tribe. And so right now, light up those comments, get excited about it and open your Bibles to John chapter nine nine, because that is where we are going to hang out today. We're going to be in John chapter nine. We're going, to, we're going to read verse by verse today. So stick with me because we're going to read a lot of scripture, but it's going to be a lot of fun, I promise you. And so uh, John chapter nine. Now, before I begin to read it, I have to give you a little bit of context because you can't just hop into something and not really understand what's going on. So in the chapter before, in John chapter eight, we find Jesus who is now at the Feast of Tabernacles and he shows up to this festival like on the last day, right? Super fashionably late, super savage of Jesus to do. Um, but he shows up to this festival and, um, and he is now in this temple or in this, in this courtyard and he's teaching uh, people around him. And that's when um, some Pharisees and some Jews bring to him this woman that was caught in adultery. And so basically they're trying to get Jesus to... Uh, uh, they're, they're trying to, to get Jesus to, to get this woman stoned. And, um, you know, of course, you know, we find this, you know, famous line that, you know, a lot of us um, are familiar with where uh, Jesus um, accomplishes um, saving this woman from, from her death by saying, let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Um, and surely after he did that, because of course everybody drops their stones, they walk away, he lets this girl go free. After he did that, he claims, and this is one of the most like, like you know, scandalous things that Jesus could do in this time. He claims that he is the light of the world or that he is God. He says, before there is Abraham, I am. And so this did not sit well with the Jews. This did not sit well with the Pharisees. In fact, they were so upset that he would go and say this because to them, it was blasphemous. To them, it was a sin to claim that you were God. And so they were so upset that they decided that they were gonna go and they were gonna stone Jesus. And before they had an opportunity, Jesus being as quick as he is, he slipped away and he escaped from that potential stoning. And this is where we are now going to pick up together in John chapter nine, because Jesus is now leaving the temple. And uh, we're here in John chapter nine, verse one. It says this, as he being Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Basically what they're asking in this moment, the disciples are, see this man who is born blind and they see him as a perfect example to address the question, God, why is this man experiencing suffering in his life? Whose fault was it? Was it his parents or was it himself? 
Because in this time, the Jews believed that there was a direct correlation with the amount of sin in your life to the amount of suffering in your life. And so basically, if you are suffering greatly, it's because you sinned greatly. Now, um, we know now that this is not true. And if you, know, you live life right now and you actually believe this, I wanna you know, just totally crush this lie. This is not true. Um, so do not receive that. The amount of suffering in your life is not based off of the amount of sin that you've done in your life. There's no correlation between them because there are plenty of examples of people who are, who are closest to God and they live a, a tough tragic um, life full of suffering. You know, unfortunately, that's just part of it. And we also know that there are examples of people who are far from God, who don't know anything about God, who are living this prosperous and wealthy and amazing life. And the truth is, the truth is, is that bothers us. You know, we can be real with each other. That bothers us, does it not? I mean, it bothers us sometimes to see like, man, I'm following this God and I'm doing everything that God has asked me to do, yet why am I still experiencing suffering? And why is that person over there who doesn't even know who God is, is living the life that I can only dream of? It bothers us. But guess what? It doesn't just bother you and it doesn't just bother me, but it bothered um, David, who even wrote in, and I'm gonna hop out of John for just a second because he wrote here in Psalm 73 where it says this, but as for me, my feet had almost slipped. I had nearly lost my foothold for I envied the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Essentially what he's saying is, man, I almost lost my, my balance. I almost lost my, my footing with my walk with God because I was becoming envious of the prosperity of the wicked. And you know, I just want to encourage you today that if you feel that, if you feel that in any way, if you are in a moment right now where you feel like you are so close to giving up on God because your suffering is too much and the people around you who don't even know your God are, are living a great life, I want to encourage you, don't get distracted by that. Do not take that bait because, because that is just a distraction that the enemy is trying to use to lure you away from the plan, the perfect plan that God has for your life. And, you know, so don't get distracted because there's nothing more that the enemy would love to do than to distract you from that purpose. Because here's the thing, right now, we are not here to focus on the prosperity of other people. We're not here to focus on how well, you know, your neighbor is doing or how well your, your brother or your sister or your mom or your dad, it doesn't matter. We're not here to focus on that. We are here as a tribe because I told you at the beginning, we are here to address the question, God, why do you allow suffering to happen in our lives? And that's all we're focusing on. Okay, so, so it's important when we get distracted by this, and we get bothered or upset to refocus ourselves and, and, and really think about, okay, God, why are you allowing this suffering to happen in my life? When we ask those questions, we get answers because God hears us when we say these prayers. And we find the answer to this question in verse three. We're only three verses in. We find the answer to this question. And the answer is this. Jesus says this, neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. 
Neither this man nor his sin or nor his parents sin, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Did you catch that? I don't want you to miss that. I want you to, to underline, I want you to highlight that word might. Might. Why, why might? Why did Jesus say might? Well, because like anything with God, this man and ourselves, we have to be open to God using our situation. We have to be open to God laying his hand in our circumstance. And so Jesus says might here because this man could say no. This man could have all these, uh, these uh, preconceptions about Jesus and he could say no. And so for us, you and I, one, the answer to that question, why does God allow suffering to happen in our lives? Well, the answer is that it happens so that the works of God might be displayed through our lives. Now, I don't know about you, but I know for me, I would love, I would love for every single moment of my life to be an opportunity for God to use it for his good, for his works to be displayed in my life. And so what this means for you and me is that if we want to receive that, if we want to step into that truth and we want that might to be definitely, then we have to do those three things. We have to suspend our presumptions about Jesus, right? What does that mean? It means when we experience moments of suffering in our lives, we have to stop blaming God for them. We have to stop being upset at God for them. We have to stop saying, God, you did this to me. How could you allow me to go through this? We have to stop that. Because when we create that presumption about God and we, we you know, decide in our mind that God is just, is just making us go through this storm because he's just mad at us or because it'll be fun for him. Like when we do that, then we are automatically remove ourselves from the opportunity for God to then use our suffering to display his works in our lives. So we have to suspend our presumptions about God when it comes to suffering. Because the truth is, the suffering in your life right now, if you allow God to work with it, is not happening to you, but instead it's happening for you. The suffering in your life is not happening to you, it's happening for you. And so if this man wants to receive healing from Jesus, if this man wants to have his eyes open for the first time in his entire life, he had to suspend his presumption about Jesus. And second, he had to listen and learn and do what Jesus was telling him to do. The same goes for me and for you. That rhyme, it's crazy. You're welcome, all right? We have to listen. We have to learn. We have to do what Jesus is asking us to do. If we want to see his hand in our suffering and we want to see him use our suffering to reveal his works in our lives for not just ourselves, but for the people around us, then we have to allow him to change something. Nothing changes if nothing changes. If Jesus is asking you to do something and he's prompting you and he's reminding you that if you do this thing, then your suffering, your burden is going to become a lot lighter, then why in the world would you not do it, right? Nothing changes, nothing changes. If you don't do anything, then you can't be shocked if nothing happens. 
And I might be getting, I might be getting a little bit real with you guys today, but I, I just want to just encourage you, man, that we listen, we learn, and then we do what he's asking us to do. Then something will change because his word doesn't return void. And he hasn't broken a promise and he's not going to start with you and your situation. And then thirdly, we have to actually spend some time with him. We have to spend significant time with him. And the coolest thing about this, and I was going to save this point for later, but I'm going to say it now. The coolest thing about this story right now is that Jesus, Jesus noticed the blind man. The blind man didn't notice Jesus because he was blind. He was blind by his blindness that he's had since birth. And every single one of us, and Jesus addresses this later in the text, we are all spiritually blind at birth. And if you're wondering right now, if God sees your situation, if he knows your situation, if he cares about your situation, then let this encourage you that Jesus notices you like he noticed the man who was blind. Now, I understand this is way easier said than done. I understand that me right here on the stage telling you this is way easier said than done. And the truth is, sometimes Jesus will instruct you and will ask you to do something that you're just like, that is, that I would not do that. You know, right now, Jesus could prompt you to, to get on your knees and to pray to him and to thank him for the life that you have despite all the suffering. And you would be sitting there right now and you'd be thinking, well, what is my family gonna think of me? What are my friends gonna think of me? That's gonna be weird if I do that. Right now, Jesus could be prompting you to, to just start blasting some worship music right now. But you know what? You've never listened to worship music before. And so you're like, I don't even know where to start. And then, and then, and, and then you think, well, what are people gonna think of me if I do this? Right, right now, Jesus could be prompting you to do something that will help alleviate your suffering. And he does this with this man. So after saying this, after telling everybody like, hey, this man's not suffering because of his sins or his parents' sins, but so that my works might be displayed in his life. This is what he did. He spit on the ground. He made some mud with the saliva and he put it on the man's eyes. Like I said, Jesus would ask you, might ask you to do something that's a little bit uncomfortable, but he knows that it's so that his works can be displayed in your life. And so he put this mud on the man's eyes and real quick, just better recognize that Jesus is a very personal God because we know that he could have done any. Miracle, he could have healed this man in any way, but he chose to touch him. He chose to place his hands on him. And I believe that right now, Jesus is placing his hands on your situation right now, if you let him, if you let him. And he says this, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And so the man went and washed and he came home seeing. And so because this man because this man suspended his presumptions about Jesus, he listened, learned, and he did what Jesus asked him to do. And he spent some significant time with him. He received healing and he received and got to live out the purpose for the suffering in his life. And we know this. 
For any of us who have had some miraculous turnaround in our lives, whether it's a turnaround from an addiction because of Christ, whether it's a miraculous healing because of Christ, we know that the moment that this happens in our lives, people don't really like want to believe it right away. And they kind of find it hard to believe. They're just like, "Mm," they're kind of skeptical about it. And naturally the cheese mess starts and like people are talking like, did you hear what happened to so-and-so? Like, oh yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I believe it. Well, the same thing was happening to this man. This man is now healed. He is seeing and it is like, you know, it's a miracle and it's amazing. But people around town are talking and they're like, hey, is that the guy that was blind? And then some guys are like, oh no, he only looks like him. Um, but the same man who was healed says this to the people who are talking. He says this, I am the man. He himself said, I am and the man. And they asked the question because this is a question that everybody asks anytime, literally anytime something good happens in your life that is completely out of the ordinary, that is completely just incredible. They asked this, how? How then were your eyes open? How then did you kick that addiction? How in the world did you save your marriage? How did you fight that disease? How did you overcome that circumstance? How, how, How? See, when you discover the purpose of your suffering and you allow God to display his work in your life, it's going to get a lot of people's attention. It's only natural because it's it's almost like a rare thing to see. And like this man's neighbors, everyone is going to want to know how. They want to know how. Why? Because they want that for their own lives too. They want to know how because they want to know how to do it. And in this case, and in many of our cases, the question isn't how, the question is actually who, right? It's not how did I overcome this, but who helped me overcome it? And it's in this moment that I want to address the second question. And that question is, can God use your current suffering, the suffering you're experiencing right now to bring a greater purpose to your life? Can God use your current suffering right now to bring a greater purpose to your life? I'll give you the answer and I'll just tell you, yes, he can. Absolutely, 100%. If you guys know my story, which I know a lot of you do, um, but you know that I am a cancer survivor. I'm a very proud cancer survivor. I'm I'm blessed to say that I've been cancer-free for what will be eight years this November. And the journey, the journey of suffering that is the cancer battle, the appointments, the, 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 the chemo sessions, the surgeries, the anxieties that come along with it, you know, is brutal. It is a very hard moment of suffering. And, I'm not saying that like if you haven't experienced, you know, a cancer battle that your suffering isn't hard because, you know, the truth is just because your bad day may not be as bad as my bad day doesn't mean you didn't have a bad day. And so I want to encourage you with that, that your suffering is very real and you know what it's like to be sick to your stomach and you know what it's like to be anxious and you know what it's like to feel a little bit of depression. Like, you know what that is like, regardless of what the outside circumstances are. But I remember the turning point for my cancer battle because at one point I was ready to give up. At one point I was ready to be like, God, just take me to heaven. I am done with this. The turning point for me was when I finally took a step back and I allowed God 
to use the suffering that I was experiencing to display the works of him. And so I had to pray a very real prayer. And the prayer was, God, show me your hand in this. God, show me where you are in this circumstance. God, show me your blessing. And the first day that I prayed this prayer, I met a man named Orlando. Now, Orlando was just a few years older than me. Um, he had the same cancer that I had. Um, and on top of that, Orlando had Down syndrome. And what was tough about Orlando was that he, unfortunately, had a really hard time expressing how he felt. He had a hard time expressing, you know, where his pain was. He had a hard time expressing um, the feelings that he was feeling. And oftentimes, the only way that he would express his discomfort was by crying. Um, and every single moment that I, um, every single moment that I stepped into the chemo room, he would be sitting there with his parents and he would be crying. And the moment that I prayed this prayer, God showed me my new friend, Orlando, and he prompted me and he, asked, and he asked me to sit with him. And so, you know, as I'm taking this moment to now start, you know, to, to really just stop focusing on my own suffering and I start to focus on the people around me, I would sit with Orlando every single time that I was in chemo and I would hold his hand. And oftentimes I would whisper a short prayer into his ear, a prayer for peace, a prayer for comfort, uh, a prayer that would relieve pain and I'm not even exaggerating, every single time that I would pray with him, he would stop crying. And it was amazing because there's literally nothing that the nurses or his parents could do that would get him to stop crying. And they asked me the same question. How are you doing this? What words are you saying? How can we do this? And I got to answer the same way that the man who was once born blind responded. Verse 11, read with me. He says this, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. The man they called Jesus prompted me to pray with your son, prompted me to pray with your patient. And so I did it. And now he's not crying anymore. The man that they, that they named Jesus encouraged me that this season is temporary and that I have the power to overcome all of snakes and scorpions and all the power of the enemy that nothing would harm me. And so nothing's going to harm me. Can God use your current suffering right now to bring a greater purpose to your life? Yes, because there's no greater purpose that we can have, that you and I can have than sharing who Jesus is to us. Who Jesus is to us. Now, like I said, when sometimes when, you know, miracles happen in our life, when we experience an alleviating of, of suffering, when um, when, you know, things kind of seem to turn around for us, sometimes people are taken back. They want to know how. And sometimes, unfortunately, whether it's like the group that we're hanging out with, whether maybe it's some of our family, they get envious and they get jealous that things are looking up in our lives. And naturally, their response is negative. 
their response is negative and they'll say stuff like, oh, this is like, we'll see how long this lasts. Or, you know, they'll say stuff like, um, like, oh, they're just faking it or whatever that may be. And, and you know what? If you're part of one of those families, stop doing that. All right. That's not healthy. It's not good. Encourage, be excited for the moments that your family members get out of suffering. But, um, but you know, we're in this moment now where this man, everybody, he's a buzz around town because he's now able to see. And the Pharisees bring this guy in, the religious officials, they bring this guy in and they ask him. And, they, and you know what? They even go as far as bringing his parents in and they go, hey, is that your son? And they're like, yeah. Okay, cool. How is he seeing? And with the fear, with the fear that they would, that his parents would be kicked out of the synagogue, that would be excommunicated, they kind of threw their son under the bus and they're just like, look, we don't know. All we know is that he's of age, so you should talk to him. Don't talk to us, right? And so they keep asking him over and over and over. And they even go as far as to say like, hey, you keep saying Jesus is the one who healed you. You keep saying Jesus is the one who did this. Well, that man is a sinner. And that man um, is, is a blasphemer to God. And, then they're, and they're just throwing insult after insult after insult towards Jesus. And look at how this man responded. And this is how we have to respond as well. In verse 25, it says this, he being the man who was once born blind, but now can see, he says this, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know is that I was blind but now I see. Guys, there's so much power in your testimony. There's so much power in your story. There's power in allowing God to use your suffering to display his works in your life. You know, and you may be sitting there, you may be saying, hey, you know what? I don't know how this happened. I don't know how I kick this addiction. All I know is that I was addicted one day, but now I'm not. Look, I don't know how you feel about Jesus, but all I know is that one day I was angry, but now I'm joyful. I don't know. But all I know is that my life was headed in this direction, but then I met a man named Jesus, and now my life is going this way. And that is something to celebrate and something to share. And the truth is sometimes the world doesn't really care for our transformation in Christ. But the power of having Jesus on your side is that even when you are rejected by man, you still have a God who is constantly going out and seeking and trying to find you. I mean, it happened to this man now. He says this. He says, look, man, I, I don't know how this happened. All I know is that I was blind but now I see. And this truthfully upset the Pharisees. In fact, they were, they were so upset that they continued to try to downgrade the miracle that Jesus did in his life. And in verse 34, it says this, to this, they replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. And they threw him out. And unfortunately, sometimes this happens to us. You know, we step into 
this line of faith, we cross that line of faith and we decide to believe in Jesus and who he is, that he is the son of God, that he is God in human flesh who was sent down to this earth and was born of the Virgin Mary who lived a perfect life and died a death on a cross for every single moment of suffering that we have ever experienced in our entire lives. And then he defeated death, hell and the grave. And then he rose again three days later and is now sitting at the right hand of his father in heaven. When we decide to believe in that, oftentimes and sometimes the world is not very receptive to that. And sometimes the world kind of throws us out and kicks us to the curb. And we just are convinced that our suffering is just is permanent and it's never going to end and it's always going to be a thing. But I love how Jesus responds upon hearing upon hearing that this man who was once born blind, who received the miracle and is now being rejected by who are supposed to be God's people. And um, this is what happens in verse 35. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. And when he found him, being that he heard this man was thrown out, but he went and he looked for him. And if you don't think for a second that if you were ever thrown out, that Jesus wouldn't go and look for you, that I need you to think again because this is the truth for you. He went out and he found him. And he said, do you believe in the son of man? And he says, who is he, sir? And I want you to notice how this man's tone changes. He says, who is he, sir? The man asked and tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. He went from addressing the man of Jesus and quickly turned into addressing the God, the Lord, the creator of the world, the one who brings life to the full. He worshiped him. And then Jesus said this, for judgment, I have come into this world so that the blind will see and those who see will become blind. Basically what he's saying is I've come so that those who are spiritually blind, when they have an encounter with me, then they'll be able to see for the first time. And those who claim that they are righteous and that they know all things and all, all the things that you know, spiritual people want to like bring about, Right? He's here to reveal to them that actually you're blind because you're missing out on the point. You're missing out on who I am and who and what I can do for you and who I am for you. And so today I want to encourage you, tribe, and I'm going to close with this, that like the man and his suffering, Jesus notices you. Right? You might not notice him, but he notices you. He notices you and he sees you and he sees your current suffering and he cares about it. He sees your situation and he wants nothing more than for his works to be displayed in your life through that suffering. Two, he wants to use your situation. He wants to use your suffering to display the works, to display his works in your life. Why? Because he has a plan, this is number three, he has a plan to bring a greater good to your life. 
and to the lives of the people around you if you let him. If you let him. You know, but it all starts with allowing him to do it so that it might, so that God's work might be displayed in your life. And so what's the first step in being able to receive that and allowing him to work in our lives? Well, it's believing in him. It's believing in him, believing in who he is, that he is God revealed in human form, that he is born of the Virgin Mary, that he did live a perfect life, that he did die a death on a cross for you and for me, and that he did raise again, rise again three days later, and that he is now sitting at the right hand of his Father, and his Holy Spirit now lives within us as our helper to help guide us through the sufferings of our lives. That's the first step. And so what I want to do together is I want to say a couple of prayers. One, I want to do a prayer for everybody here who has not yet believed in who Jesus is and you're ready to step into that relationship. And the second prayer that I want to pray is a prayer for those of us who have felt like we have been so spiritually blind to God's presence. And I want to pray that God opens up the eyes of our hearts to be able to see him maybe clearly for the first time. And so let's pray together. So Lord, we come before you today. We acknowledge that, um, one, that we're sinners, that that we miss the mark, that we all fall short of the glory of God and that there is no getting to the Father except through you, Jesus. And so right now for anybody who is sitting right now and they're suffering and they feel like they're just going through it all alone and they just want to know who this God is who can take their suffering and that, they, and that can, can use it for a greater purpose in their lives, I pray that they say this simple prayer, Jesus, I believe in you. Jesus, I believe in you you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And God, I want to lift up every single person right now who may have been going through this season of isolation, of, of you know, tension in our world, and they have felt like they do not feel you, they do not see you, that they are just completely just missing out on who you are, or maybe just they might be feeling like, like you don't care. God, I pray that right now that we are open to our eyes of our hearts being open so that maybe we can see you for the first time and that we can see your works in our suffering for the first time. And so Jesus, thank you so much for seeing our situations. Thank you for seeing our sufferings and thank you for caring and loving us so much. Jesus, we love you. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we praise you. It's your name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, uh, tribe, as we close out today, I want to remind you and encourage you to practice our three S's that we have here at City Tribe. The first one is share. Um, I want you to share this message with somebody that you know can use this encouragement today. I mean, you know, I had you do that at the top of today's message, but I want you to do it now. If you haven't done it, tag three people, share it with three people that you know would be um, encouraged by this. Um, second is subscribe. You know, I want you to stay connected. So click the subscribe button on our Facebook page, on our uh, YouTube page, City Tribe Media. Stay connected and be updated with every um, sermon that we have coming out uh, for you guys during this 
time and really just times after as well. And um, number three is, is I want you to sow. I want you to choose to sow a seed into the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus is inviting you to trust him in your finances. And part of trusting the Lord is by allowing him access to every single part of our lives. And that includes our money. And so what I want to encourage you to do is I want you to um, practice what we call the first fruit tithe here at City Tribe. And I want you to bring your tithe to the local storehouse. And the way that we accomplish those things is you can, uh, you can actually just look at the instructions that are just right below me um, and you can follow those instructions. Personally, I prefer to text the tithe by texting, uh, by texting the word tribe space and the dollar amount to 74483. We have plenty of ways to give, but that is my favorite way to do so. Um, so I want to encourage you uh, to get your tithe done and, and, and test God in your finances because, like I said, you know, his, his word doesn't return void and you will be blessed. That is a promise that we have in Scripture. And so, um, family, as you know, we close out today, um, I want to encourage you to better recognize the plan, the purpose that Jesus has for the suffering in your life. And I want to encourage you that this week, at one moment, to take a step of faith and say, God, I want to be open to you using my suffering to display the works um, of you in my life. And so, guys, I love y'all. I hope you have an amazing week, and we will catch y'all next week. Have a great time. We're glad you were part of the tribe today. To further connect with us, check citytribe.church.